Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg, Zach Smith alongside me. It is Monday, January 13th, college football playoff uh, national championship tonight. But of course, we're not talking about that. We're talking about hockey tonight. And boy, do we have a lot to get into. And first thing that we got to talk about is the Battle of Alberta heating up to a red-hot flame this weekend. No pun intended. With Zach Cassian and uh, destroyed, being destroyed by Matthew Kachuk. And, Zach, uh, you, you know, we were looking at this right before we were going on air, looking at some more angles. You had more angles that you've looked at. And, boy, I got to tell you, it's, you know, I only saw the last hit and then seeing all the other hits. You can understand why Zach Kazian reacted the way he did. I mean, he absolutely got sick and tired of being hit by Matthew Kuchuk, threw him down, punched him. Kuchuk falls down. Kuchuk's not even being able to defend himself, and Kazian loses it again with Matthew Kuchuk. Uh, my question is, do you think that he should be punished, Zach Kazian? You know, my thought of it is, if you're going to punish Kazian, you also have to punish Kachuk. I mean, that first hit that really sparked the whole thing, Kachuk takes Kazian out, puts his hip right into his head on a defenseless player as he's trying to wrap around. Um, if you're going to punish one, you got to punish both. Again, Kazian responded, um, you know, after taking a few, you know, borderline hits throughout the night. I, I think you and I both agree it's that second time that he throws him to the ground and keeps, you know, throwing punches on him. That's really when Cassian kind of goes over over the line. But I think if you're going to suspend one, you got to suspend both. I personally hope that neither of them are suspended. I don't think what Cassian did in response to a few questionable hits is deserving of a suspension. But we'll see. I mean, the NHL is focused a lot on player safety. They want to get, you know, what's perceived as dirty hits out of the game. They don't want to have any players getting hurt on dangerous plays like that. We'll see what they do. I wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended, but I personally hope that neither of them are. I think, you know, when you look at it, I, look, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, I, look, he's a, a hard-nosed player. It's very clearly personal. These two teams' franchises haven't liked each other ever. And Kachuk has had incidents with Edmonton and L.A. I, I think when you look at it from that standpoint, look, Kachuk hits... Are, are there, if a guy is standing up, completely upright and not bent over, they're fine. But that's not a fine hit when you're, you know, basically ramming into someone's head. I understand Zach Cassian's reaction, but, you know, it's okay to, you know, pummel the guy with a punch, you know, as a reaction to, you know, the third dirty hit that you had in the game. However, once he's on the ground and, and he can't defend himself, and I understood that understand that Zach Cassian couldn't defend himself when this happened, but you know, you you made your point. You punched him, he's down, you punched him again, and then you drag him up again, and, and Matthew Kuchuk is, you know, basically you know, in self-preservation mode. You, you can't hit him anymore, and, that, and that's why Cassian's going to get suspended, I assume. Uh, he's having a hearing. The NHL came out and said that no, no discipline was going to go to Matthew Kuchuk, but Kachuk has a pretty bad reputation, and it's not just with Edmonton. Obviously, with LA Kings and Drew Doughty, uh, there's personal beefs there. And so, uh, you know, Kachuk, much like his dad, uh, plays that fine line. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's an important thing to discuss. Again, the NHL wants to have players be protected. They want it to be safe. But there is somewhere still, I believe, in the sport of hockey where you have to have that enforcer. Kachuk is, you know, he's sort of the heart and soul of that team. Um, you know, they go as he goes in a big hit like that. 
it can energize a team. It can lead to uh, it can lead to a, a big uh, turn of events in that game, as we saw it happen eventually with Cassian's penalty. Same thing for Cassian. He's you know you've got the McDavid's and the Drysidles on that team that they need a guy to be able to enforce to back them up. And that's what Cassian does. Um, so it's it's unexpected. It's not expected to change. These teams are not going to like each other ever. Uh, this just further adds to the the rivalry. And I think look, Cassian's Cassian's actions had a direct result. He takes the penalty. Calgary wins the game. Um, you know, if they, I'm not going to be surprised, like you said, if they come down with a suspension. But um, you know, I, I'm hoping that they don't personally. Yeah, well, I, I feel that Bolt should be punished because Matthew Kachuk was the instigator in this that was all said and done. But uh, we'll wait to see. NHL should release uh, punishment for Zach Cassian, uh probably within the next day. So, all right, let's let's go to the Tampa Bay Lightning really quickly. They had a franchise record ten game win streak snap last night against the New Jersey Devils. I believe that was a three to one loss with an empty netter at the end for the New Jersey Devils. I, I know that off the top of my head because I was trying to steal a victory from the fantasy hockey league we're in uh, against the top team and put put chips in on Curtis McElhaney to get me a goalie win. And if he doesn't lose the game and they win, I wind up winning the game. So I'm kind of annoyed by that. But, uh, you know, give credit, Tampa Bay Lightning, they're in second place in the Atlantic Division now. Uh, I think that they have a couple games in hand. They got a chance to uh, catch the Boston Bruins, who have kind of slowed, uh, you know, and have been getting overtime points but not necessarily wins. Uh, give credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning, though. Ten-game win streak, and all of a sudden their season looks a lot differently now. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that we were talking about um, disappointing through the first few months, and they've turned it on. I mean, everything is going well. We always knew they had the, tel- the talent to get back to uh, the type of regular season they had last year. Uh, maybe not quite as high because that was pretty historic. But, you know, this is how we expected them to play. Um, you know, sort of a disappointing loss last night to the Devils. Um, but I think they're going to remain hot. They're going to be competitive and have a chance to win their division. So um, I think the division and the conference overall is more exciting when Tampa's in the mix. And now we're going to see uh, a, a race to first as we get closer to uh, to playoff hockey time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we are. We're, we're going to see that as we come closer. Uh, one thing that, you know, while we were talking about this is, and kind of playing for the show, that there's a couple of things that I forgot. But uh, the National Predators fired Peter LaViolette last week. Uh, they quickly hired John Hines the next day, who was the New Jersey Devils coach earlier this week and fired I tend to think that it's a roster issue and a talent issue, but, you know, the Predators, you know, they've been up and down with Hines taking over, but, I mean, I don't know. I I, I like Peter LaViolette as a coach, and uh, sad to see him go, but, uh, look, this is, if Nashville's going to make the playoffs, they had to try to change the coaching staff, see what the roster responds to it, and then take it from there. Absolutely, and... Uh... I don't think Laviolette's going to be out of a job for long. Uh, I think he's going to be the, the number one candidate going into uh, the the coaching carousel once the season's over. Um, you know, uh, disappointing for him since he's had such a great career, but he won't be out of a job for long. Another point I wanted to bring up, which we didn't have on the sheet, Zdeno Chara, his thousandth game tonight for the Boston Bruins. Um, we talk about this guy as, uh, uh, you know, 
one of the best players of the decade and one of the most well-known players. Um, quite a historic feat to reach a thousand, and uh, just goes to show you the the work and the energy he's put into his career. Yeah, yeah, give, give a lot of credit to uh, Sedano Chara. Love watching that guy play. Uh, he is a high energy guy. Uh, you know, just guy has managed to just stay relevant in the NHL. When he's forty now and playing with a broken jaw in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I, I love watching Sedano Chara play. I think that he is a fantastic player. Congrats to him. By the way, Patrick Marlowe just played his seventeenth hundred career NHL game, I believe. Believe uh I believe he's only about sixty away from the all time record. Uh, I will get you that um that stat. It's just incredible. I, you know, that was something that you reminded me of with Sedano Chara. Uh, the fact that he has played um, yeah, he has Gordy Howe in his sights, believe it or not. He would have to sign, obviously, another one-year contract. And you got to think that Patrick Marlowe would probably like to do that. But, yes, his 17th 100-career game uh, scored the game winner in it. And this is a guy who, I mean, he is, like I said, I think he's about 60 away from Gordy Howe. Um, and let's see if I can... Like, he trails Gordy Howe by only 67 games for the most all-time in the NHL history. He would have to, obviously, return next year to eclipse that record. But uh, you're talking about, you know, we have the real possibility of, you know, if Marlowe decides to come back, that, that would be probably before the end of 2020 that he would reach that stat. Yeah. Just phenomenal. So, uh, speaking about the Pacific Division, let's talk about the topsy-turvy Pacific Division, which is what I'm going to name it now, because it kind of reminds me of... Uh, some of the divisions that we talk about, uh, we talk, I've talked about the AHL and the radio show I do on Saturday mornings, uh, you know, on Sports Weekly, that, uh, you know, they, the central division of the AHL seems to change every week. Uh, it doesn't matter who's on first, usually they're in fifth and that's week. Uh, you talk about the specific division, it's jam-packed, you have Calgary, Edmonton, you have Vancouver, you have Arizona, and Vegas, and they are in there and it's pretty crazy to see how jumbled up they are calgary's now in first when i think they were in fourth last week with five straight wins yeah i mean this um you know it, it kind of looked at the beginning of the season vegas was going to run away with this um with this division you know calgary was was having a rough start to the season uh we didn't know what Arizona was doing. They were kind of a question mark. Uh, we had our doubts about Vancouver and Edmonton staying power. Um, and this has turned into, I think, the most exciting division because uh, one through five uh, are very competitive and very exciting teams. I think you can make the case that all five have a chance to make it to the playoffs. Um, we'll see how the Central does on, on their wildcard teams. But, you know... I'm not surprised Calgary's there. Again, they had that number one seed last year, and they finally are starting to put it together. Arizona's certainly dangerous with their stingy play in the Taylor Hall edition. Um, I don't think you can count Vegas out. They're still my favorite team in the Pacific. So yeah. it's uh, it's an exciting time for the Pacific, uh, a division that's kind of been down the last few years. Um, look for the race to remain this tight, I think, to the end. I, I think Calgary through Edmonton are all teams that had the potential to make the playoffs. So... Um, and of course, I don't know if you can count out San Jose yet. I mean, they've got the ability to make a run, so it's going to be exciting as we get closer to playoff time. Yeah, they've won uh, five of their last uh, nine games, seven points in their last nine games for San Jose. They're hanging in there, but uh, y you know we'll see. They, they, uh, uh, I think who just got injured for them? Uh, it was, was it? It was Couture. Couture got injured right earlier this week, mm -hmm. so 
you know, it's a huge injury for the San Jose Sharks. But, hey, you know what, I, just give us an all-Canadian first-round series, then, or, you know, second-round series between Vancouver, Calgary, or Edmonton, two of the three. You know, uh, you know I, I love watching the Battle of Alberta uh, several years ago with Calgary and Edmonton a couple of years ago. I'd love to see a, uh, you know, some more of the Battle of Alberta. All right, um, let's get to the NHL All-Star Game. Zach, you had this great... Um, you recognize that. I'll let you explain it. Why don't you explain the, about the NHL All-Star Game, which we're going to talk about this week because we're not entirely sure we're going to have a podcast next week. Yeah, so the, the All-Star Game, obviously the NHL has made some changes over the last few years to try and make it more exciting, more engaging for the fans. Uh, and part of what they've done now with the, the four divisions is each division has a captain and then they get their team. They play in a, like almost a round-robin style tournament. So, really, uh, you know, Matt and I, we were talking about this because uh, Alexander Ovechkin was named as one of the captains and uh, is reportedly planning to sit out of the All-Star game. And, you know, it made me wonder where people fall on this line of thinking. Is it okay for, you know, a player to sit out the All-Star game? Is there a way that the NHL can have a better incentive to get these players to want to play because listen if you're watching the all-star game you want to watch Ovechkin you want to watch McDavid you want to watch you know Pasternak um, these are the kind of guys that you want to see and you know to be voted into the game is already special but to be named the captain um, even more so uh, so I don't know if there's a greater incentive the NHL can do I, I think it kind of comes down to this point you know, the player wanting to, to do that for the fans. But I don't know, Matt, what do you think about that? Should they should they put in guidelines that these players have to play if healthy? Which they do, and then, you know, then they suspend them for a game. You know, I, I just think that it's not enough of a reward, and I, I get it. First of all, you're playing three-on-three hockey for uh, at least 20 minutes. And then if you win, it's another 20-minute game of three-on-three hockey. So... I, you know, and obviously the million-dollar reward to split among the winning team just isn't worth it. I I don't know what kind of deterrent. I really think that the NHL does have to find ways to encourage these players to participate. You want your best players to grow the game, and especially in a fun event like this, because I think the 3-on-3 hockey format is much better than the 5-on-5 format that they had several years ago. Um, I don't know. Do you maybe say it's going to be a five-game suspension? If you don't, you know... Hockey is the fourth major sport in North America for a reason, and this doesn't help things. But this is the second year in a row of Ashkin skip. Uh, I believe Mark Andre Fleury is skipping as well. So I, I don't know what you do, or do you, does the NHL go to the teams first and say, okay, look, enough of this crap. We need to know, because we're thinking of naming you an all star, are you going to participate? If not, we're going to give it to one of your other teammates. And I get, but I don't know what the incentive is, you know, that's going to incentivize these guys because, look, it does take them a lot of time. You get, like, a day or two off in between. I, I don't know, you know. Clearly, the one-game suspension doesn't matter to them, and clearly the money doesn't matter. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know uh, how you incentivize these guys or uh, to play. I, I, I'm at a loss, but I do think the NHL needs to do something. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, you can talk about more money. You can talk about uh, a stiffer 
suspension. Uh, the suspension route's not the way I would want to go because you don't want to punish your players, uh, especially you know your best players at that. I'm wondering if you know if you're going to be a player like Ovechkin, maybe you make a compromise and you can add more money to the incentive. But for him, you know, he's making what ten million a year. That yeah. one million split up among the team isn't going to do it. I wonder if you give him the option to, again, you're going to be an all-star. Uh-huh. You're just going to compete in maybe the different drills and maybe you don't play in the game. That still gets you your exposure. Maybe you put Ovechkin in like the hardest shot competition right. and you say, okay, you don't have to play in the round-robin tournament. Because that way you're getting you're getting him out there. You're compromising with him. He's not playing you know, one to two games potentially, and he's still getting that rest. I don't know if that's a route you can go with it. Um, you know, then you need him for the skills and you need someone else to play in the game. So that adds the all-star numbers. Now you're getting more exposure from other players. I just don't know. I feel like this is something that again, for an all-star game, you want your best players there because you want the fan engagement. Um, but you don't want to punish them for thinking about themselves and wanting to get that extra rest. It's such a hard line to balance. Um, and it's not unique to the NHL. You know, this happens in every major professional sports. Um, really, the only one is MLB. MLB usually doesn't have a lot of dropouts. And NBA doesn't really either. Yeah. They, and just, those, they don't play. And we see those games, you know, look vastly different than, right. at least in the NHL, they're competing uh, versus, you know, especially the NBA where there's no defense and everyone's <laughs> taking half-court shots, which is, again, it's exciting. I like that as the all-star game because it should be your best yep. players having a good time. So I don't know what the solution is. I think it's a... It's a topic worth talking about because, as a fan of the game, I want to see Ovechkin out there, right. um, and I can't fault him for wanting to think about himself and his and his body and his health over that. Um, but I do hope that we can we can find a way to make it work so that our favorite players are out there, and um, you know, it just makes the weekend overall so much better when they're out there. Yeah, I like kind of tend to think that you have to do something, whether it's either up the pot. A little bit or maybe up the pot to donate to their charities uh just something i i you know i i don't know but i agree with you that suspending guys is not the way to go because hey, here's the way i think about it, okay that one game right it could be the only time that someone in winnipeg gets to see alex ovechkin this year but they can't because he's suspended i don't like the one game suspension for not participating I, I think it's just too punitive because, you know, okay, well, what if you have, a, you know, somebody driving three hours away from Winnipeg to go see Alex Ovechkin because they're their favorite player and then they can't see him because of some, you know, just ridiculous nonsense suspension. So I, I agree with you that suspending is not the way. I just don't know how you get guys to compete in the middle of the season, you know, in the game. To really have the best of the best play. So I, I think it's something that definitely the NHL needs to think about long and hard in order to figure out how they're going to convince players to play. Yeah, and I think, is it baseball that had for a while, and maybe they still have this rule, I'm not sure, where wasn't the winner of the All-Star game indicative of who got home field advantage yes. in the World Series? Yes. I'm not sure if they still do that. No, they don't. I hated that rule because and, it's an exhibition game. Yeah, and, and I think that's to... that's an area that people may want to go. I don't like that rule either because I think, you know, something as crazy as the All-Star game should right. have such an important uh, factor on the series. I don't know. I just, like we said, overall we just want to see the best players there. We want to see yeah. the, the household names there. Um, 
hopefully the NHL is able to to get a better incentive to get players like Ovechkin to want to show up. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's always better when your best players are involved. So hopefully they get that fixed and uh, find a way for us to all enjoy the All-Star game at its fullest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of the All-Star game, I think there's going to be a really cool event. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think that the NHL does the skills competition the best out of any sport in their All-Star game. I think the NHL is the best skills competition. Um, so the NHL is going to have a thing. This came out late last night. They're going to have a three-on-three women's event coming to All-Star. Uh, it's going to be uh, U.S. and Canadian players. I don't. I, I think it's a U.S. and Canadian format. didn't see a whole lot of details about it. Nobody has actually said when it's happening. I don't know if it's going to happen like Saturday night after the game, after the skills competition or what. But they are going to have, as an effort to try to grow women's hockey, three-on-three tournament for U.S. and uh, you know, Canadian women's hockey players. Um, so I'm assuming it's going to be the U.S. It's going to be a U.S. Canada format, which is what I think I recall reading. In addition, uh, this also came out about oh, about five minutes ago. Is that there's going to be a three-on-three summer hockey league that's going to be traveling around some of the parks that maybe are hockey mad that don't have hockey. It's going to be kind of like if you know the Big Three. Uh, there's going to be eight teams and kind of like a weekend round robin tournament thing. Um, so. I think they're going to do it like eight weeks, and there'll be seven skaters and one goalie for each team. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting, but um, more importantly, I think it's good to see um, you know, a three-on-three women's hockey game at the NHL All-Star Game. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast continuously. How can the NHL better grow the game and incorporate more fans? Uh, we talk about it. Obviously, in the all-star competition, we talk about it in the Winter Classic. This um, three-on-three women's event and the summer event are just other ways to get more people involved, to keep the game exciting and fun, uh, to find new ways to to engage fans that maybe aren't coming out in the traditional manner. So, I agree. I mean, I I think one of the best events of the all-star game for the NHL um, or NHL weekend last year was in the skating competition. Um, you know, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Kendall Coy, Kendall Coy Schofield. Yeah. And when she got out there, it was electric, not only because she's one of the best athletes in the world, but because you finally get to see some players that otherwise you would, you know, not be able to watch out in this type of arena. So, um, again, we'll get more details on it. I think it's going to be exciting. It's just going to help the, the atmosphere and the overall event this year, um, it's an absolute no-brainer, I think, for the NHL to look to these different avenues and, and to get uh, more people involved. And hopefully we see more um, more things like this, you know, in the future. Because um, if you're a fan of hockey, it doesn't matter what you're watching. It can be youth. It can be collegiate. It can be the NHL, uh, women's, men's professional, international. It doesn't matter what you see. Hockey is always good. This is just another reason to uh, to love the game, I think. Yeah, and um, it's going to be a 3 3 hockey game featuring some of the best women's players. It's, it is going to be USA versus Canada. Um, so I don't think that they have uh, specified. I, I would guess that Kendall Coyne Schofield will be one of the players there. Uh, I, you know, So it'll be interesting to remember. This is something that's needed, especially uh, since the Canadian Women's Hockey League folded, and there is no Women's Hockey League. All right. Um, Real quickly, let's get into the Blackhawks talk. Uh, um, 
Well, they go up and empty that goal. Pecorine becomes the, let's see, the 12th goal? No, 13th, the 13th. 13th goaltender in the NHL history to score um, a goal. Uh, congratulations <laughs> to him. The Hawks up and down again. They wind up winning against Anaheim to salvage a 2-2 uh, uh, homestand. Uh, Dominic Kubelik uh, been fantastic. He's been putting up goals left and right. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's up and down. I, look, I think their, their season's over. I'll, I'll just be succinct about that. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, we kind of touched on that last week, this sentiment, and I think we agree this week. Um, you know, you lose a tight game against Calgary, who, as we mentioned previously, uh, has been on a pretty hot roll. Um, they lose to Nashville, which certainly isn't one of the top teams, though I think they have the pieces to, to make a playoff push, similar to the Blues of last year. Um, they just get walloped by Nashville. And then, okay, you win Anaheim. That's not much of a, you know, uh, a celebratory win. Anaheim's not competitive either. So, um, you know, at this point, I agree. I think the season's over. I'm just looking for bright spots. Of course, you have Kubelik, four goals this last week. Um you know, I considered making him my player of the week, but I think you should, uh, your team should go better than one and two to be named yes. in in that spot. Um, but four goals this week, 16 on the season, tied for the rookie league. Um, certainly a player to to keep an eye on for us Hawk fans for a good future. Um, the goaltending is good. The rest of the team inconsistent. It's just the same old, same old with them. Um, I agree. I think it's time to, you know, remain competitive, give the young guys some more ice time, and just uh, start scouting for uh, an early pick in the draft. I agree with you. I agree. And uh, you know what? That's all the time we're going to spend. It's just it's frustrating talking about this team. Uh, you know, and we admit that you know, we're in Chicago and we cover the NHL, but like to throw in that Chicago Blackhawks talk. All right, let's go to our top three teams of the week. Uh, my number three team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Believe it or not, they're only four points behind the Washington Capitals. The Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, just phenomenal. Uh, what they're doing, you know, you have no Gensel, Crosby, they, you know, almost back. Uh, Tristan Jerry has been just a revelation. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, give them credit, 61 points. Uh, they've been phenomenal. My number two team is the Washington Capitals. They are tied for the best record with the Boston Bruins and St. Louis Blues points-wise. Um, you know, they've been up and down, but again, just steady and consistent. We'll see if they can hold off the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, have, who are coming out uh, fast. And uh, so we'll see if they can do that. And my number one team is the St. Louis Blues. Defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, impressive wins this weekend. Uh, just they continue to do it, and it's, it, it's incredible. Uh, but this team... Are, they got a real chance to go all the way again. Um, so the St. Louis Blues, my number one team. Yeah, uh, mine's very similar. I only differ on my number three pick. I put Tampa as number three. Um, they've just been on an absolute tear. Their team's firing on all cylinders. You got Vasilevsky and Net, who's playing fantastic. The top two lines are scoring. Um, they're finally putting it together. That might just be like a, a recency pick on my part, but I think, you know, they're seven points behind Boston. They're going to have a good chance to catch them. Uh, you can't go wrong with Pittsburgh. You can't go wrong with Boston. Um, the East is finally starting to shape up how we thought it might be. Washington, number two, um, a bit of a rough week. I believe they went five and five, um, which, again, if that's a rough week for your team, uh, you'll take it. They're still absolutely phenomenal on all areas. 
Um, yeah, my number two team. I think this is the first time they're not an, our number one team in probably about a month. Yeah, maybe month, month even, maybe half, even yeah. more. I mean, um, you know, pretty phenomenal. And that's really just because number one, St. Louis Blues. I mean, uh, you can't say any more than they're just fantastic. Um, still firing on all cylinders. Their goal differential is getting better by the day. Um, you know, again, we keep mentioning it. Tarasenko still without their best offensive player. Bennington's just been fantastic. Um, you know, I I don't see them slowing down. I think in a very competitive Western Conference, uh, we talked about the Pacific, how tight it is there. I think St. Louis is head and shoulders above every team. Uh, they're just that good, and they should be gearing up for another cup run. So those are my top three teams. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can argue with those. Uh, some fantastic hockey we played. It's hard to believe we're going to be at the All-Star break in 10 days. So... All right, uh, my player of the week is Cam Talbot. Led Calgary to three wins. Uh, only gave up five goals over those three wins. Uh, some fantastic performances against the Blackhawks. Um, you know, played well against Edmonton as well. So uh, Cam Talbot is my player of the week. Yeah, I think last week we went to goaltenders um, for our players of the week. Yep. We're going to have it this week as well. Tuka Rask, my player of the week. Uh, two games that he played in two wins for Boston 68 of 72 um, shots saved a 944 save percentage um, he's been fantastic all year this week was uh, the same of that and is you know part of the reason why Boston is you know they had a few struggles the last couple weeks uh, to Garas is keeping them uh, at the top of their division so um, you know back-to-back back back weeks of goaltenders getting our players of the week, and that's just because there's so much fantastic play around the league, and, um, you know, these guys are fun to watch. Yeah. Okay, so I just changed my game of the week because I decided why not. Um, so I'm going to go to Thursday, and I'm going to do the Calgary Flames at the Toronto Maple Leafs, two Canadian teams. Uh, the last time Toronto had a Canadian team, uh, you know, they played Winnipeg in a fantastic overtime game. So uh, Calgary Flames are hot. Uh, Toronto... You know, they have the firepower to stick with Calgary. These are two offensive teams. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that is a Thursday night game in Toronto. Yeah, and my game of the week, stay on Thursday night. It's going to be a fun night. I've got Pittsburgh Penguins at the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, Matt just mentioned Pittsburgh. They're doing it without some of their best players. Um, they've been fun to watch Boston steady all year, so I think it's going to be a great game and a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup. So, uh you know, watch watch some great games this Thursday night. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our final segment of the night. We'll get to Smith's hit. All right, we'll wrap this pot up for you real quick here. Uh, a, a great week of picks, went eight and two on the week. Pod overall, um, I've been twenty and thirteen on the pod picks overall, thirty six and twenty nine, starting to trend in the right direction. Got three picks for you on these Tuesday night games. Uh, first one, Vegas at Buffalo. Buffalo is plus one and a half. Um, they've got Vegas favored on the road. I just think Buffalo's going to keep it close, take them with the points. New Jersey at Toronto. Toronto's minus 250 on the money line. Um, I would have told you that Tampa was a pretty solid pick on the money line against New Jersey, and the Devils uh, decided to ruin my parade there. I'm going to take Toronto on the money line. I don't think 
the Devils can be that competitive two games in a row. That's right. Double doubt on that. Yeah. Final game, uh, Chicago at Ottawa. Two very disappointing teams. Two um, teams that just are difficult to watch at times. We got the over-under at 6.5. Even with Kubelik's hot streak, uh, I, I say take the under just because, you know, these teams are so inconsistent. Uh, I think it's uh, with the good goalie playing Chicago – I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals in that game. So those are my three picks of the week. All right. Well, that wraps up another edition of Smith's Hits and the podcast podcast. So uh, we will see if we can get time to record one next week. We'll uh, let you guys know, obviously, if we don't. If not, we'll be back right after the All-Star break. So uh, for Zach, I'm Matt. We'll see you guys next week or down the road later. Have a great week, everybody.